Let's talk about love, baby. Let's talk about love, baby. <laughs> Alright, so I wanted to kind of go into some random reflections about love. Um, the first one that came to mind today was sometimes love is not going to be wrapped up in a sweet little package. Sometimes love is going to come in the form of an accountability partner. Somebody who's going to tell you to get off your butt, get your crap together, take a shower, clean, wash your hair, eat some food, stop eating that, stop neglecting yourself, stop wallowing in self-pity, stop complaining. Sometimes that's how love is going to look. And sometimes those are the people who get the most hate, but in the end, that person remembers that that was the one person who was really showing true love because true love is honest even when that person can't accept the truth or handle the truth true love wants the best out of a person sees the highest potential out of a person true love sometimes is tough love people have this fantasy idea and i'm not trying to take away the the, the bliss and the beauty of love because love can be very blissful and ethereal and and magical but love can is not, I don't know if the word is linear, but it's just not one way. Love can come in many different sizes, shapes, packages. So it's not going to always look like what we have been conditioned to think love is, you know? And I don't mean that it's going to be toxic, but sometimes love isn't always quote unquote nice. You know, we have this niceness that we pressure people to have and that's why I also feel that anger is one of the most repressed emotions there is because people don't really approve of it because it's so hard to deal with as an emotion we does we never really have much practice with emotional regulation and dealing with tough emotions like that but yeah love is not always going to be just dainty and sweet but deep down on that surface, just because it seems like that does not mean it's not dainty or sweet. That comes from a good place. Sometimes, you know, just what moves that person, what motivates your spirit and moves your spirit is not going to be, hey, buddy, um, don't you think it's time for you to get off the couch? I know you've been on it for the past six months, but I really think you could do better. Sometimes it doesn't work like that. Sometimes it's, bro, hey, bro. All right, enough is enough. Get up, bro. Like, real talk. Like, sometimes, I'm, I mean, I'm just sorry. It's like, that's what it needs. You know? But, yeah. That's kind of just what I wanted to talk about when it came to love. <sighs> sorry, guys. I'm tired. That's all I can really think about for now. Sometimes with gentle parenting, I wonder, like, is it equipping our children with the reality of the world? Like, what is it going to do to them when they realize the world is not going to be as gentle as we are to them? But then I'm like, well, maybe it'll let them also know, like, have a standard of how they should be treated. Like, if my mom and my dad and my family could treat me with respect and kindness and I can be in environments that are peaceful, then I know when 
when I run into something that is not of those norms, then I know that that is not what love is. But when we put our children in an environment where it's abusive, toxic, shameful, humiliating, abusive, I think I said that twice, but then it's kind of like that's what they equate or associate with love because in essence we are all they have in the beginning. So whatever you do, they're going to say that that's love because you are their sole source of survival until they're able to do it on their own in some form or fashion. So it can create a lot. But yeah, I was just reflecting because, you know, parenting is hard. I got a, I saw a quote today that was like, you know, gentle parenting is just parenting. I'm loosely quoting it, but, you know, it just, we use gentle because we've normalized treating children like it's a, basically crap. And so it's like, I kind of can see where they can come from. So it's really like, I don't really even use the term gentle parenting. I use more conscious parenting because I feel like it's just becoming more aware and um, mindful of the things you do. And even when you have those moments when you do get angry, when you do get frustrated and you and you do get overstimulated, especially me as a mom who's a teacher, who at times is my own son's teacher of two, like having 20-something two-year-olds and three-year-olds and five-year-olds needing me um, 24-7 crying one cries, then another cries, another cries, and this cries, and this one is angry, and this one throws a tantrum, and this one is... That stimulation is very overwhelming. And then to come home and to have that child, my child, who has not had the connection that he needs, who has seen me have to kind of almost disregard him in my class because I can't just over coddle him and just ignore the other kids you know they don't understand the concept of oh this is my son and you're not you know so it's easy to get angry sometimes and I feel like like I said anger has a, a very negative connotation to it and it fuels a lot of what I just what I've heard someone talk about is like a shame hangover <laughs> like basically you know the thoughts roll in the guilt rolls in and you just begin to spiral into the snowball effect of beating yourself down because you're human and you know you you've hit your threshold of tolerance and doing you know it's hard you're going from never doing something to all of a sudden from zero to a hundred that's not always easy and in this spiritual journey i feel like a lot of people are putting a lot of pressure on themselves they're trying to do everything at once and in discipline, it's not about being able to do the new diet, do the perfect parenting, do the perfect partnership, do the perfect whatever, the entrepreneurship. It's about taking baby steps and creating discipline with through consistency. Consistency is one of the biggest aspects of discipline. You know, if you can't hold one thing down and get it to the point where it becomes second nature, then, you know, why how they expect to do anything else but yeah I just wanted to kind of talk about that like just a little reflection I was thinking about as far as parenting you know I'm always like 
reflecting on teaching and parenting and I look at how they coexist or kind of are related and just being in the school system so I know in spiritual awakening that one of the biggest things is like being free you know there's a lot of things that we learn through you know the inner child and those wounds and stuff and people you know we talk a lot about how you may have been restricted you know through childhood which there are a lot of restrictions but it's kind of like there's a level of knowing what is life and there are certain laws and rules and and there is also manipulation in the idea of free because what are you freeing because you know the mind is also programmed so sometimes what we think is freeing is still a level of control and what bothers me is that there are things that are conditioning and programming our children that when they want to be free is generally more on the um what's the word I'm looking for more on the darker end of it you know the end where there's no control there's no discipline there's no heart or love there's no it's just impulse it's more animalistic it's more savage almost and I know it sounds weird to be talking about children like this but when you really work with children it's good bad beautiful and ugly so I'm just trying to keep it real and transparent and authentic as I can and it's not that kids are innately evil or something it's just that they don't know they're basically animals, wild animals. Seriously, it sounds bad. Like, but we are like as a free spirit, you have no guidance, no direction. And it's up to to us as parents to teach them and help them learn how to connect with that higher self of theirs, the self that their soul, which has more knowledge to guide them on their, you know, when we're not around, because. There's so many things out here that are perpetuating the, um, you know, the demons that people battle with every day. The things that are not on a soul level, the things that are not on the higher self level, the things that are just distractions and keep them as helpless and the sheep of the world, you know, the people who don't really recognize how they're being controlled and manipulated. It doesn't put you in your power. You think you're free, but you're still (laughs) ravaging the world in this state of wildness with the illusion of free. I mean, you, you can be a savage and do it all you want, but I really don't think that's what you want, you know? Okay, so right here, I want to talk about where do I think my anger comes from? Like, sometimes I feel anger boiling up inside of me. And anger can fuel your thoughts to a lot of places. Frustration can fuel your thoughts thoughts to a lot of your, I mean, to a lot of um, intrusive thoughts, to a lot of um, behaviors that you know is not you or not what you want to do. But because of your state of energy... 
it can fuel you to do things that or make you think about things that you know is not in alignment with your soul, with your heart, with you as a person and how you identify yourself. But I want to talk about where I feel like a lot of my anger comes from. I feel like my anger comes from just in life. And disclaimer, anyone who knows me, don't take this personally. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm talking about you or referring to you. But it comes from a life of feeling like I've always been an overachiever surrounded by a bunch of underachievers. Like I'm always working very, very hard to prove myself and show people that, you know, I'm loyal, I'm worthy, I'm a um, a good person, I'm a good friend, I'm a good worker, all these things proven to other people when other people may not have the capacity to even identify that or see that because they can't even see it within themselves. And as I've come on my journey, I've, I've recognized a lot of that proving and, and all the expectations, some realistic, some unrealistic that I put on myself. And some of it, a lot of it came from Christianity. And I was talking to one of my coworkers today because she's a very devout Christian too, but she wants to, you know, be more enlightened on how to raise her child, you know, with the Christian, uh, the relation to build more relationship with Christ and to be Christian without the religious aspect of it, you know, the do's and the don'ts and the, um, this, this, don't do that, you know, because, yeah, you may memorize and, and have the indoctrination of all the things that kind of help control or repress those evil or bad thoughts, but do you really feel the connection? Do you feel the love of, of Jesus, of, you know, of God that you want that really empowers you to know your worth, to know your heart, and to build a relationship with that? And so I kind of just feel like my anger also comes from feeling like I'm overworked, feeling like I'm taking for granted that, and, and, and it's so funny that I feel like God puts you in a lot of situations that will keep pushing you, pushing you until you break. But in those situations, you have to choose what reaction you're going to do. Are you going to make it like turn you into, to the, to this dark darkness? Or are you going to make it like where it doesn't break you like you're not going to make me the world is not going to mold me yeah I've been in a lot of situations where I've been hurt and and disregarded and treated wrong but I'm proud of myself that I didn't turn rotten from it and I didn't turn dark or cold and and, and totally close off my heart my heart has always still remained open and pure and and that is in essence who I am and people can say you know people pleasing and, and I get it that has been a part of my life but it's also a part of who I am not necessarily to be a people pleaser but you know I just like to be um, a good person and if that happens to please a person then it's kind of a win-win but yeah you know just being in a world full feeling like I'm oppressed seeing all the media depictions of, of you know black people being hurt and treated wrong and tv shows and news and everything just being engulfed in so much trauma has fueled me with so much anger and I notice it's just within my kids they are fueled with so much anger you can just see it in little black boys and especially um and then seeing it in the girls too but it's just like you know they they have that that's innately in them DNA because it should have already been like like, no one's really conditioned them with that right now. And then also, you know, probably from the hands of their parents, you know, sometimes we resort to very, you know, aggressive behaviors for discipline. And that child is kind of 
never able to release that anger onto their parents in return. So they carry that too. But there's just, I'm, I'm going to reflect more on this, but this was just a short little thing. I got to go back to work. I'm already late. But I just had to get this off my chest of, you know, a little bit of where I feel like um, my anger is, has come from over my lifetime. Okay, so I want to kind of talk about a black person um, perspective. Black, African-American, indigenous of America. Perspective, so I'm eating lunch. Perspective on um, spiritual awakening. The first thing you have to do is literally like decolonize yourself. Because like I said, in detaching from monster mentality, from the post-traumatic slave syndrome, those are two major constructs that block you from healing. And the reason why is because the road is usually, the destination is usually self-acceptance and self-love, the highest frequencies. And to get there, you need accountability, which is one of the hardest pills to swallow because people have a hard time breaking down the lower side of the ego and the, um, you know, the, the humbling their pride and different stuff. But we're not going to get on to that because pride isn't necessarily a bad thing and neither is the ego. But, so, it's a lot of decolonization that has to go on. Like I said, the perspective we have right now is not of ours. And a lot of things that we use to gauge who we are as a people it's coming from the perspective of a person who has a, a white supremacy in, in their mindset. So it only makes sense that we're going to be seen, we're going to feel less than, we're going to feel inferior, we're going to feel self-doubt, we're going to feel imposter syndrome. We're going to feel all these things because we're looking at ourselves through the lens of someone who deems us in our natural state as less than, unruly, savage, unworthy, only good enough to do what serves them. And so you're going to have the mindset that serves them. And don't ask me to go into the them and the days. We all know who them and they are. Any system or person, not necessarily white anymore, that tries to uh, dominate, empower, I mean, disempower or control us. So but in decolonizing yourself to lead back to self-love and self-acceptance, you have to realize a lot of the things that you perceive or that is being taught as bad or shadowed, you know what I mean? It's, it's not because it's naturally to us. And this is why there, a lot of times missionaries, they want to go to Africa or go to these third world countries and save the people because they perceive them as unhappy. They perceive them as unruly or savage or damned or condemned whatever because that's from their lens this lens of of a standard that does not fit everybody everybody doesn't belong in that box everybody doesn't belong in that standard most people don't belong not even the ones who are trying to enforce it belong in it but let's let them just keep thinking that but the point is like for example um hair how we wear our hair. You know, now now people have complexes and literally have to relearn how to love their hair. 
because it's been so conditioned that it's nappy, unruly, hard. What the heck are you doing? Sorry, a uh, car just swerving all in my lane. But anywho, yeah, and then like, so yeah, there's things that, like our food. Black people have a very strong connection to food. That's why it's called soul food. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it really can speak to our soul. It's really spiritually connecting. A lot of things, this is why I said nobody can tell me black people are not spiritual. Black people are one of the most spiritual people I know because it has been embedded within us. That is part of your intuition is the things that are intuitively are naturally like you're doing it. You do it's so intuitive that it's unconscious. Like you don't you're not even aware of the meaning behind a lot of the things that you do. Like how people like this is a maybe a dumb example but you know when people pour out liquor when when they homies pass away or something like when my dead homies or whatever like that is actually libations that is actually something that is in uh i believe african spirituality you know that they do they pour out you know for the altars they have liquor for their ancestors and all these kinds of things there's a lot of things how black people rank on each other called playing the dozens um the cornrows that we wear they were more than just cornrows they were used to carry seeds and grains of rice and things that we use as we travel through the you know diaspora like during slavery for the you know the for the africans who were enslaved you know there are indigenous africans i mean indigenous black people as well so you can't forget about that um but that's why i say don't let people shame you and make you and label it because the labels are really what was shadow aspects of a person if we never had the word ghetto ratchet hood red all those we would just think of those people as bubbly fun people if we never had the label of of gay um you know homosexual we would just think of those people as you know fun loving flamboyant free people but when you put you know a label on something first of all it prevents other people depending on the label's connotation depending on the label's meaning and how it makes people feel some people may feel like I want to act a certain, do some of those things that those, you know, that the gay people are doing, but I don't want to be, I'm not gay or I'm not, uh, I'm not a homosexual. I'm not attracted to the same sex, which is what gay is. Gay has nothing to do with how you act or behave. Those are cultural or what they call nature, I mean, nurture adaptations, not nature. Nature is more of what's, what you're born with. Nurture is more what you grow to be based on you know societal cultures and all that kind of stuff so a lot of times we don't we feel boxed in because of labels and and connotations associated with certain names like meanings attached to certain words and so that's why you have to break down the homophobia and let people understand without trying to program them to be it you know it's about acceptance not be it <laughs> but um that's a whole nother thing but yeah and also like a lot of people are shaming christianity and i get it um christianity has been beaten to death and been misused but if you look at the values this is why i say you gotta go you gotta dig through the muck you gotta get it out the mud you gotta dig through the dark to get to the light the basis roots of christianity is they have good values and christianity was adopted, adapted or adopted, you know, through African Americans during slavery. The church was a, a, a common grounds where the secrets and communion was held. A lot of times, you know, that was a place where we felt um, we were not seen enough to communicate and and 
established plans of escape and all these other kinds of things. So, um, but yeah, like what I'm saying is don't let people shame you for having Christian roots because at the end of the day, the core of Christian roots sustain a lot of us. It helps us keep down the dark energies and spirits and that are within us, you know, and, and it's not to repress it. But some things that have festered and, and been and manifested over time of repressed emotions and processing those, you don't want to give those things power. The shadow is not bad, but the festered shadow, you know, which is more of the shadow that has been ignored for so long or really demonized can fester into something big. And so that's why I say you cannot let the standards of, of other people who, who are not of you try to shame you and that comes within our own community as well we all have a little bit of that monster mentality and we feel like this sense of superiority classism entitlement elitism all those fancy words that just mean that we think we know best we own no one and no one owns us autonomy and sovereignty are the key but I, i'm not going to let a person do something that's going that they out of a uh, shame, guilt, or self judgment. You know, figure out why you want to do it, why you want to change and improve. But also, like when you think of holidays, bottom line is African Americans. Everything that we have adapted has been out of adaptation, has been out of survival, has been out of making lemonade out of lemons. And so even though some of the roots in the history may be bad, and that's why as people awaken to, you know, other, um, or, or reintroduced or introduced to other cultures and spiritualities that are more closely related to their roots, a lot of times they want to leave behind what has sustained them thus far. So it doesn't mean that you have to. It just means that you can be Christian and adopt other um, spiritual attributes, you know, African spirituality, um, Native American spirituality, like whatever. But you have to do your research because you don't know what you're, what you're doing, even with Christianity. But the bottom, but what I, what I'm trying to get to is that there's a lot of shame around things, and that's why Black people have a hard time healing because everything we do is so judgmental. A black person who is spiritually awakened and they still believe in Jesus and, and, and God and, and, and Christianity. Oh, you're not woke. No, you can't define how enlightened I am or how spiritual I am by your standards. You know? And um, like when you think of a lot of holidays and, and traditions, you know, people want to tell you when you woke, you're not supposed to celebrate holidays and yada, yada, yada. You can celebrate holidays as long as you're honoring I ain't going to say as long, but I, but the way, because those things are, how can I say, closely tied to my culture, closely tied to who I am and what I like to do and what, and what I feel like it does for me. Like the Christmas spirit, the, um, Mardi Gras, like even though Mardi Gras necessarily wasn't a, a black holiday or we, we were somewhat like everything else exiled from that feeling from from being able to feel like we could participate in our way so we have totally revamped and reinvented the ho the holiday of mardi gras to serve us and that is what we do best that is how we survive in a world that is constantly telling us we're no good we're not good enough and that's why i say in coming back to self-acceptance and self-love you have to release the, the shame 
I still believe in Jesus. I still believe in God. I still believe in these things. And I don't go searching for things that don't keep me empowered, sustained, or centered. Be aware that when you go seeking truth, you may think you found the truth, but you're finding more problems. That's why they say ignorance is bliss. And sometimes knowing is, you know, not knowing is better than knowing. And it doesn't mean say dumb. You know, there's just so much wrapped around the idea of being woke. People may take me saying this as you're trying to just keep people dumbfounded and not knowing and ignorant. Nope, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I serve the spirit. Some people's mission is serving ancestors, serving um, whatever, who, whoever, yada, yada, yada. But I serve the spirit, the mind, the sustainability of you as a human. Not having you a broken, not sending you broken back to your reality. And there's certain ways I feel like that the healing process should go to prevent that from, to prevent your spirit being broken from happening. But that's all I have to say about that. Peace out. Love you guys. Keep God first.